Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, please, and turn to the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6, and 2 Kings chapter number 6. Most of you know uh, my preaching at Calvary, my preaching is not very deep, and uh, I don't think it's shallow, but I don't, it's def- definitely not very deep, and uh, I'll have to let some of these other scholars take care of that. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you, I sort of came today thinking, Lord, maybe, maybe this is a little too shallow until I got here and started talking to different people. And little by little, the Spirit of God said, do you still think that? And so I guess I need to say, Lord, teach me how to be quiet. And, and just, uh, I, I do, I, I know this, I do know this, that I pray every week, I pray that God would lead me and that he would teach me his word and that he would give me what you need. And, uh, and so I think that's what I'm going to do today. I want you to look at 2 Kings chapter 6 in your Bibles, and when you find your place, look, look at verse number 24. And if you're able to stand, let's all stand out of respect for the reading of God's word. If you're able to stand, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse number 24, we're getting ready to read, wow, what a story here. Uh, verse number 24, the Bible says, And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine. And boy, it was. A great famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver. We won't get into this part of the story today, but I would say this. There were four horses left in Israel. Four. You say, what happened to the rest of them? (laughs) They became supper. And that's how bad the famine was. And so the Bible says that they're selling a donkey's head here for for four pieces, four score pieces of silver. And look at this. Tell you how bad it was. And the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. But it gets worse. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord do not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor, out of the wine press? The king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes and he passed by upon the wall. And the people looked and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. And then he said, God do so and more also to me if the head of Elisha the son of Shaphat shall stand on him this day. But Elisha sat in his house, and the elders sat with him. And the king sent a man from before him, but ere the messenger came to him, in other words, before the messenger got to Elisha's house, he said to the elders, See how this son of a murderer has sent to take away mine head. Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door. 
and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him. Verse 33, and while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him, and he said, behold, this evil is of the Lord. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? And that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about today. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Or why it pays to wait on God? And so you may be seated this morning, and uh, uh, it's 12.02, according to that clock right there. We'll try to get you out here about the same time we always do, and so don't worry about the time. Just for a few moments, be sure you get something that God has for you today. I believe God has something for somebody today. And, uh, and so let's pray and ask God to help us this morning. Father, thank you for letting us be here today. God, we're glad it's finished. Lord, we're glad that the payment has been made and paid by the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that, Heavenly Father, we're redeemed if we've placed our faith and trust in the Savior. And Lord, we're so thankful that we're born again, so thankful to be saved today, so thankful to be a part of the family of God Lord, there's nothing that compares to this. There's other good things, but there's nothing that compares to this. There's nothing that compares to the house of God and the family of God. God, long before the preaching ever got here, our hearts have already been encouraged and strengthened, and we just thank you so much for what you've done. And Lord, it's been a phenomenal week already, and uh, Lord, you've done the supernatural. You really have, and we thank you and praise you for it. Now, Lord, fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit and Lord, give us, word, give us ears to hear, and then I pray that we'll be faithful to do what we hear. Lord, there's someone here today that probably needs to be saved, and I pray that before this service is done, that they'll come to Christ. And then, Lord, more than likely, there's someone here today that needs encouragement, and, uh, and so, Lord, I pray that before this service is done, that they will receive encouragement. I pray that you'll edify the saints but more than anything, we pray that the precious Son of God would be high and lifted up and that he will be exalted and, Lord, that our attention and our focus will be on him. Bless the live stream. Bless those that are here today. God, breathe on us, please. Father, we love you and need you. In Jesus' name, we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. Well, I've already said this, but I'm going to say it again. Wow, what a story. What a story this is in 2 Kings chapter 6. The Bible says here, just to sort of recap the story, the Bible says the king of Syria has, what our King James Bible says, says has besieged the city of Samaria. Interesting word. The word besieged means to put up in bags. To put up in bags. Now, when I first saw that, I thought, okay, what exactly is the Bible trying to portray here? Uh, and, and, and this is the idea. It's the idea of suffocation. To put up in bags. If you were to, to put someone's head in the bag, don't do that. But if you were to put someone's head in the bag and, and close it off, they would suffocate. It would, it would cut off the air supply or the oxygen uh, to their brain. Well, that's the idea. That's what's going on here. That's what the king of Syria is doing to Samaria. He has cut off their their supply. He, uh, it, means, it means to bind up. And so back in that day and time, many and most of the cities were walled. And so when the enemy would come upon them, they would, they would of course, close up the walls and the gates. Um, and they were 
fortified, if you will. And so a lot of times the enemy would surround the city and what they would do is this, they would not allow anybody to come out, but more importantly, they would not allow anyone to come in. And so the supply line was, was severed, it was cut off. And so no, no supplies, no provision was coming into Samaria for the longest, longest time. And, uh, and so basically what's going on is the king of, uh, of Syria is waiting them out. That's what we would call it, waiting them out. And they, they're encamped around the city and no water has come in, no food has come in for many, many days. And our Bible tells us here that starvation has now begun to set in. And the people have reached a stage of desperation. They've eaten everything they can eat. Uh, four horses left in the whole kingdom there. Uh, they've eaten everything that they could eat. And now the Bible says that they're selling the head of a donkey for 80 pieces of silver and a cab of dove's dung, which is about a liter and a half, a cab of dove's dung. You say, preacher, is that what I think it is? It is. They're starving. They're literally starving to death. That's what's going on. They have not eaten in days and days and days. Their bodies by now are emaciated. They look like uh, prisoners in a concentration camp. In fact, our Bible is very candid, and our Bible tells us that they have resorted to cannibalism. As this lady calls out to King Jehoram, by the way, a wicked man, and she calls out to King Jehoram, and she says, King, you've got to help. And he says, what aileth thee? And she said, well, she said, me and another mother struck up a bargain, and we said that uh, we'll eat my child today, and then tomorrow we'll, we'll eat her child. And so sure enough, we, we boiled my child. We ate my child today, but now on the next day when we were getting ready to, to prepare her child, she's hit her child. And so it's, it's, it's a terrible, terrible time here now, you know, again, I'm not really preaching on this today, but this is definitely worth pointing out. You know what's really amazing about this story in 2 Kings chapter 6 is that when things got really bad, you know who they begin to blame? They blame God. When things got really, really bad, you know whose fault it was? It was God's fault. They never stop to think about their immorality. They never begin to think about or to begin to consider their idolatry. Jehoram was a wicked king. His dad before him was more wicked than he was. They had become involved in, in idolatry and paganism. They really were turning into a bunch of heathens. And so because of that lifestyle, uh, the, the standard of living began to go down and down and down. By the way, it always does. Whenever you leave God, things are not going to get better. They're going to get worse. It's exactly why we're seeing things unfold in America that are happening that, by the way, we never thought would ever happen. And it's not because we don't have education. We've got more educated people today than we've ever had in the history of our nation. We've got education. We've got infrastructure. We've got businesses. We've got corporations. We've got technology. But brother, we are going to hell in a handbasket. And I'll tell you why. It's because we have turned our back on a holy and a righteous God. By the way, that message ought to be preached around America. That's what's going on here in Samaria. 
They have turned from the living God and begin to serve idols and paganism and now their standard of living is so bad and when, it gets, when they get so low, they turn around and they, they don't stop and think, you know what's our fault? We turn from God. We've not been willing, willing to repent. You know, we've turned on the Lord. And, uh, but you know what? Things are really, really bad. And so it, you know what? It has got to be God's fault that this, that this is happening. And so the Bible says, as you've already surmised here, the Bible says that because they're mad at God, well, they're mad at God's man. And so Jehoram says, by the end of the day, Elisha's head is not going to be standing on his body. We're going to execute the prophet of God. And so the Bible tells us that, the, that King Jehoram sends a messenger to Elisha's home. God reveals it to the man of God. He tells the elders of the city, there's someone coming. And uh, the king has sent him. When he gets here, hold him fast. The king won't be too far behind him. Hold him fast. And that's exactly what happened. The Bible says that the king sends a messenger to Elisha, but I'm interested in the message. He sends a messenger to the man of God, and this is the message that he comes with from the king. Behold, this evil is of the Lord. And then he says this, What should I wait for the Lord any longer? In other words, what King Jehoram was saying was this, I've tried to be faithful to the Lord, which was really a bold-faced lie because he had not tried to be faithful to the Lord. But he said, I've tried to be faithful to the Lord. I've attempted to, to do life God's way and still things are not working out. So basically, in our terminology, this is what the king was saying, what's the use? I've tried it your way, man of God. I've tried serving God. We've tried worshiping Jehovah. But now we've got this famine in the land. We've got the Syrians besieging us. And, and we've tried living for the Lord. Uh, but all these things are coming around us and unfold, uh, unfolding around us. And so basically saying this, what's the use of going on and serving the Lord? What should I wait for the Lord any longer? If I could put it in our words today, it would be something like this. I've tried tithing and still I've got financial problems. Preacher, I've tried going to church and still my family's having battles. Preacher, I've tried serving in a ministry and the other day the doctor said that I have some type of an affliction. I've tried being faithful and yet there is still turbulence in my home. Preacher, I've tried living the Christian life and still my marriage seems to be a little rocky. I've, I've been faithful to, to read my Bible, yet my kids still aren't serving the Lord. You see, Pastor, I've tried and I've served and I've remained faithful, but yet I've got problems and I've got issues and I've got afflictions and I've got uh, valleys and I've got storms and I've got uh, things that are coming into my life. And so preacher, I wanna ask you a question. Give me one good reason that I ought to wait on the Lord any longer. Well, I don't wanna give you one. I wanna give you four. Four reasons why, by the way, and that's how the devil works. The devil will come to you, and by the way, he, he, he loves to come to you when the storm is raging. 
When you're at your lowest point, when you're discouraged, when you're suffering depression, when, uh, when maybe there's been some type of a major emotional battle in your life, and that's when the devil comes and the, and the devil says, you know, I'm telling you, you've tried and tried and you read your Bible last week and you tried to pray and you've tried to go to church and, and yet, you know, you still got all these issues and I'm telling you, it ain't working. I mean, I know maybe that preacher, maybe he means well, you know, but I'm just telling you, it's not working and this God thing and serving God and going to church and, and all, you just, you know what, I don't think it's really worth it. And, and you know, we're really, why really, what's the use of waiting on the Lord any longer? And I just feel without, without a shadow of a doubt that there's someone here this morning that God has sent your pastor here with a message from him to tell you that there are some good reasons that you ought to keep on waiting on God. Can I give you a few this morning? How about this? Number one, it's important that you keep waiting on God because your miracle may be close at hand. Now, I want you to go back to your Bibles this morning, if you will. We didn't read this, but, but it's very important that you read first, uh, or 2 Kings 7 with 2 Kings chapter 6. And so I want you to look at 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse number 1. And so don't forget 2 Kings 6 verse 33. The question is why should I keep on serving God? Nothing seems to be working out anyway. And so why should I wait on the Lord? Well, look what happened in 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Would you read the next two words in your King James? Would you read the next two words with me? Ready? Two Tomorrow, oh yes, good friend. Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. And I want to stop right there and I want to say, oh, what a difference a day makes. I mean, one day things were looking bleak. One day things were looking dark. One day things were looking dreadful. But I'm glad I have a God. By the way, he's an on-time God. And you know what? He never shows up late to an appointment. And you say, preacher, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And so far, God hasn't come through. And I came here today to tell you, keep on hanging in there. Keep on waiting on God. God's not dead. God's still alive. Listen, I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care who's in the Congress. I don't care care who's serving in the Senate. I'm telling you, my God is still on the throne. He's still on the throne. He's still all powerful. He's still almighty. And I got some great news for you, Calvary Magnus Church. It's good that you wait on God because your miracle may be just around the corner. Don't give up on your miracle. Psalm chapter 30, verse number five says it like this. For his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Listen to this. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Hey, listen to what the prophet Jeremiah said in Lamentations chapter three, verses 22 and 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Can I just remind us this morning, church, that Jonah is crying in the belly of a fish one day and he's preaching the message of God in Nineveh the next day. Can I just remind us that Saul is a, is a lost Pharisee persecuting the church one day 
And he's a saved, regenerated Paul the apostle the next. Can I remind you that Abraham and Sarah are barren and childless one day and their parents to the promised seed the next day? Can it remind us today that Peter and John are lowly fishermen one day, but disciples of the Messiah the next day? Can it remind us this morning that Moses is a lowly wayward shepherd for his father-in-law one day, and he's called to be the deliverer of Israel the next day? You say, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying, don't you give up. Don't you fold it. Don't you fold up. Don't you throw in the towel. Don't you wave the white flag. It's not time to give up. You say, Preacher, you don't understand the burden. You don't understand the valley. You don't understand the storm that I'm going through. And I've prayed and I've prayed and I've read my Bible and I've tried to be faithful and yet God hasn't come through for me. My miracle hasn't come. I want to tell you what. You keep hanging in there. You batten down the hatches. You throw out the anchor. You stay where you are. You grow some deep roots. You bloom where you're planted because I'm telling you, hey, your miracle according to my Bible, your miracle is close at hand. Gideon, Gideon became a great judge of Israel. But Gideon was called out of a very stormy time. In fact, the judge Gideon said this in Judges chapter 6 and verse 13, when the angel of the Lord came to call Gideon, this is what he said, where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? We heard about all these great things that happened in the past. And Gideon said, I haven't seen anything like it in a long, long time. Where be all these miracles? But can I remind us, that miracle came. And it came in great fashion. That's all I'm saying, church. Don't you give up. I don't know who I'm preaching to. But just as sure as shooting, just as sure as I'm here today, the devil has come to somebody and he said, boy, here you are. You're miserable. You've tried and tried and walked with God and tried to read your Bible and you've tried to be faithful to church. And you're even serving in a ministry of the church and, and you've, you, you've tried to turn your life around and you've tried to do right and yet you've got this storm and you've got this affliction and you've got this problem and you know what? It's really not worth it. It's not worth serving God. And uh, oh, listen, I want to remind you that your miracle may be around the corner. Don't give up on your miracle. I read the story this week of a man who was an alcoholic and he got saved. I mean, he got saved. And somebody came to this alcoholic and they said this. They said, I don't see how you can possibly believe all that nonsense in that Bible right there. And then they looked at that former alcoholic. Now he's been born again. And they said to this alcoholic, for instance, you don't really believe that Jesus changed the water into wine, do you? You don't believe that. That drunkard now saved, looked back at that individual, he said, you better believe I do. In fact, I, in fact, I know he changed the water into wine. They said, well, how are you so sure? And he said this, he said, because when I got saved, Jesus changed the whiskey into furniture. <laughs> oh, yes. Hey, don't you give up. Your miracle's just around the corner. Hey, can I, give you, can I give you another thought just real quickly this morning? Number two, let me tell you why we ought to wait on the Lord. Number two, it's a mistake to give up on God. Amen. Now you're, first, uh, you're in 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 7. Now look at verse number two. 
The Bible says, then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, and so Elijah says, tomorrow a miracle's coming. That's what he said. Tomorrow the famine's gonna end, a miracle's on the way. And in verse two, this servant of the king responds, then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? In other words, you know what he was saying to Elisha? There's no way. There's no way. As bad as the famine is, man, we're eating donkey's heads and dove's dung and, and, and people are eating their own babies and, 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 and you're telling us that tomorrow a miracle's gonna happen and, and he said, I'm just telling you that there is no way that that's gonna happen. There's no use in serving God anymore. Hey, church, let me help us this morning. Did you know that life is a battle whether you're serving God or out of God's will? Job said, man, it's a few days full of trouble. He said, I'm just gonna go back and live in the old, old life. Well, I'm just gonna tell you, you can do that, but you're gonna have problems there too. You think you turn your back on God, you know, leave the church, leave the Bible, leave the will of God, that all the problems are gonna cease. That's not gonna happen at all. And so, uh, you know what? If we know that we're gonna go through a battle either way, or we're gonna go through a battle in the will of God, or we're gonna go through a battle out of the will of God, then we might as well go through the battle with the assurance that we're pleasing our heavenly Father. Did you know, Calvary, it never works out. And I wanna emphasize that word never. In fact, in your mind, if I could just put that in all caps, it never works out good for those who purposely leave the will of God. Never. It never works out good. So we're preparing for the 30th celebration and we're going through all these old, old, old videos. I mean 20, 25 years old. And we're just looking at people who used to be here. but they made a conscious choice to leave the will of God. Now, are you, you say, Pastor, now listen to me, church. Let me, let me help us this morning. You say, Pastor, you believe God's never gonna lead anybody away from Calvary? That's not what I'm saying at all. We have had some who God has led away from Calvary and he's led them to other good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches. But I'm talking about folk in these videos who just left the will of God and you know what? In most cases, it was disastrous. Some of them aren't even alive anymore. Families blown all apart. Divorce. Kids on drugs. Now, you say, uh, Pastor, what, what, what's your point? Listen to this. On the other hand, there were so many in these videos who stayed with the stuff. Don't, listen, don't, you, don't let Satan distract you. <laughs> Will Paul's. Because that's how determined I am to get this message out. And that's how determined he is not to let it get out. So we, we were watching those videos, and yet on the other hand, we were seeing people who, <laughs> David, bro, your hair was a lot darker back then, buddy. <laughs> Brother Allen, you look like 
you were so young back then. I mean, honestly, you know, we were watching these videos, and I'm thinking, who is that right there? That's Brother Allen right there. We're watching all these videos of these people that were in these old, old videos, and yet they're still here today. Now, wait a minute now. I'm not trying to tell you for a half a second these folks haven't had problems. Some of, them, some of them have had major afflictions. Some of them have suffered cancer. Some of them have lost spouses. Some of them have had kids that got sick or they've lost their jobs, a good job, making a good salary. Uh, some of them have suffered different things. But you know, you know the, the, the thing about it is, though, those folks who have stuck in there with the will of God and just said, we're going to wait on God, uh, although they've been through trials and they've been through storms and they've been through valleys, they're some of the happiest people you ever want to meet. And they've usually got a smile and they've usually got a handshake and they've got a lift in their step and a joy in their heart. And you say, well, I'll take why? Because it pays to stay with God. That's why. Man, just stay with the Lord. Just stay with God. It's a mistake. I said it's a mistake to give up on God. I thought about an old story here. I thought about the fellow who had purchased an, an, an oil well and didn't know much about it. Purchased an oil well and he, uh, they began drilling and drilling. For several, several weeks they began drilling and, and he was, he was uh, uh, flustered and discouraged because they never hit, oil didn't hit the first drop. And this man said, I, I don't understand. I spent a lot of money on this oil field and, and we, we've not hit the first drop of oil. And, and he said, I, I, I'm going to sell. I'm, I'm going to sell it. And folks who knew more about that field came to this man and said, bro, whatever you do, don't sell that oil field. Don't sell it. You've got to be patient. You've got to keep on drilling. Keep drilling. Keep drilling. That's a good message. Keep drilling. You're going to hit rock. You're going to hit limestone. You're going to hit bad rock. Keep drilling. You're going to break some bits. You're going to dull some bits. Keep on drilling. Keep on drilling. But you know what? He didn't do it. He got discouraged and he sold the oil wheel. And the story is the day after he sold it, they hit the mother load. And oil started gushing from that place. Now, What's your, your, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, listen, it is a mistake to give up on God. Amen. Stay with the Lord. We're on the winning side, Calvary Baptist Church. Yes, We're on the winning side. I know there's problems. I know some of you are fighting some battles right now. I know some of you are fighting the powers of darkness. And some of you, uh, right now, you had, to, you had to make yourself come today. You're so discouraged. You, you had to force yourself to be here. And by the way, I applaud you. And you did the right thing by being here today. And I came here today to tell you, don't you give up. Don't you give up. You keep on drilling and keep on drilling and keep on drilling. And you keep on drilling and keep on drilling and keep on drilling. Because I'm telling you, your miracle is just around the corner. Why should we wait on God? Number one, your miracle may be closer. And number two, it's a mistake to give up on God. But I love, 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 love it. God is a mighty deliverer. Look in your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse number 5. There were some, we didn't read this part, but there were three lepers that were outside the wall. They were not allowed to live inside the city. And so they were outside the wall when the Syrians came and besieged the city. And so these lepers were starving. And so basically this is what they said. They said, you know what? We're going to die here if we don't do something. So we might as well just fall into the hands of the Syrians. And if they save us alive, then we're alive. But if they kill us, 
we're dead, we're going to die anyway. And so the Bible says these lepers walked down to the camp of the Syrians, the enemy. Look what happened in verse number five. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the hosts of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king, uh, kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and, and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it were, and fled for their life. You know what the Bible is telling us here? The miracle came. The miracle came. Hey, Calvary, let me encourage you. There's not an affliction he cannot heal. In a church that's growing like ours, occasionally we may hear these words, it's cancer. But cancer's not a death warrant. God can heal cancer. Does God always choose to do that? He does not, but God can. Did you know there's not a drunkard that he cannot dry out? There's not a prostitute that he cannot make pure. There's not a heart that he cannot mend. There's not a life that he cannot put back together. There's not a drug addict that he cannot deliver. Again, I just came here to try to encourage you a little bit. I, listen, he is the, the world's greatest author that's ever lived. There's not another greater author than God. And did you know that God can write a new chapter in your life? You say, Brother Pope, the, 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 the chapter that I'm in right now is dreadful. It's terrible. Pastor, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the next chapter or not. I don't know if I can survive this life anymore. I, my heart is so heavy. I, I feel like I've got 10 million pounds on my back. And I just don't know if I can. Uh, and, and, you know, there's some of you here today and you say, Preacher, you know, part of it's my fault. I, I've made some bad choices and some bad decisions. And I've made a mess of my life. And, uh, and I've, 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 I've just ruined my life. Well, I'm glad I can tell you that he is the world's greatest author. And he can write a new chapter in your life. And he can put the pieces back together again and I'm telling you he can take the, the vessel that's marred and he can put it back on there and he can make a new vessel out of your life and he can help you and he can encourage you and he can strengthen you and I'm just saying this hey Calvary whatever you do don't give up on God don't give up. you know what happens a lot of times people give up on the Lord before God writes the next chapter and what they didn't realize was the next chapter was amazing. In fact, in fact, in fact, the next chapter was about to be the greatest chapter of their book. You say, Pastor, there's no way. You don't know. You don't know my life. You don't know my skeletons. You know what? You're right. I don't. But he does. 
And I'm telling you that he can take what the devil means for bad and God can turn it around. Well, we're having a good time in the house of the Lord. And he can turn it around for good and do something marvelous. It's 1233. Let's bring this thing to a close. Preacher, why should I wait on God? Number one, your miracle may be close at hand. Number two, it's a mistake to give up on God. Number three, God is a mighty deliverer. And last of all, manifold blessings comes to those who wait. Now look back at your Bibles again. 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse number 8. The Bible says, and when these lepers, these starving lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into, into one tent and did eat and drink and carried then silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and, uh, and carried thence also and went and hid it. Oh, church. Man, they went from famine to golden corral. I mean, really. It was time to buffet their, buffet their body. You know what I'm saying? Verse nine. Then they said one to another, we do not will. This day is a day of good tidings and we, if we, if, and we hold our peace if we tear till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and, and called unto the port of the city and they told him saying, we came to the camp of the Syrians and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, the horses tied, asses tied and the tents as they were. And he called the porters and they told it to the king's house within. Skip down to verse 16. The Bible says, and the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So, just like the man of God says, a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. Hey, church, wait on God. Hey, sir, that's discouraged, sir, that doesn't feel like you can take another step, Wait on God. Ma'am, you're here today. You say, Pastor, nobody knows. I don't know if I can make it another few weeks. Wait on God. Wait on God. Whatever it is that you're going through, parents, you've got a heavy burden in your life, wait on God. Business owner, you've got some heavy burdens, wait on God. Because good things come to those who wait. Her name was Betty Nesmith. She had a good secretarial job in a Dallas bank, Dallas, Texas, when she ran across a problem that interested her. Wasn't there a better way to correct the errors that she made on her electric typewriter? Betty had some art experience, and she knew that artists who worked in oils just painted over their errors. Maybe that would work for her, too. So she concocted a fluid to paint over her typing errors, before long, all the secretaries in her building were using what she called mistake out. She attempted, now this is what I want you to hear. She attempted to sell the product idea to the marketing agencies and various companies, including IBM, but they turned her down. However, secretaries continued to like her product, so Betty Nesmith's kitchen became her first manufacturing facility and she started selling it on her own. 
When Betty Nesmith sold the Enterprise, the tiny white bottles were earning $3.5 million annually on sales of $38 million. By the way, this was in the 50s. The buyer was the Gillette Company, and the sale price was $47.5 million. White out. Liquid paper. Y'all remember that? You know, I told that story. Betty Nesmith said, I've got some problems, but I'm not going to stop. Nobody wants to buy my product, but I'm just going to keep on keeping on. And eventually, you know what happened? It exploded into a major corporation. The devil comes and the devil says, you're done. Your life is over. You've got an addiction, you'll never be free. It's his famous line. You've got an addiction, you'll never be free. You've got a bondage, you'll never be out from under it. You've got a monkey on, on your back, it's the way you are, it's the way you'll always be. But I'm here to tell you, the devil's a liar. There's probably even maybe one or two here this morning who the devil has come and said, you can never be saved. God won't save you. God might save this man down here. God might save this fellow right here, but God would never save you. And I want to say again, the devil's a liar. Yes, and the devil will save you. Johnny on the spot this morning, he'll save you on this very day. Hey, Calvary, don't wait. Don't give up. Keep on serving God. Stay in your Bible. Keep walking with God. Stay in the choir. Keep serving in a ministry. Keep giving to the Lord. Keep loving Jesus because it pays to wait on God. Father, I thank you for this time we've had together today. Lord, I thank you for encouraging my heart even while I was preaching today. Lord, it pays to wait on Jesus. God, you don't always answer our prayers exactly when we think they ought to be answered, but it pays to wait on God. Father, there's someone here today, maybe someone watching by way of live stream, and the enemy has come and said, throw in the towel, wave the flag of surrender. What should you wait on the Lord any longer? God, today I pray that you'd give them grace. God, give them grace to wait. To wait on their miracle. To wait on the new chapter in their life. God, help some folks today to get plugged in to the things of the Lord. God, I pray that we'd have some that would rededicate their life back to Christ. May, may there be some that come around this old-fashioned altar today that would say, this is it for the rest of my life. I don't know how much time I've got left, but this is it. This is my life for the rest of my life. I'm serving God, come hell or high water. If everything is smooth, I'm serving Jesus. But if everything falls apart, I'm serving Jesus. God, save that one that's nearest hell today. Holy Ghost, work in this invitation, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. A few questions. Number one is this. How many are here today would say, Preacher, if I died right now, I know beyond a shadow of any doubt, I know that I'm saved. 
And if you can honestly say that, you'd slip your hand up right now. I know that I'm saved. Praise the Lord. You may lower your hands. I wonder if there may be one here today who would say, Brother Pope, I don't think God would save me. I'm not saved, but I don't think God would save me. I really don't think God would save me. And right now, you just let me pray for you. You'd slip your hand up right now. Pray for me, Pastor. How many are here today, you'd say, Preacher, if I died right now, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven, but I want to go. I want to go, but I'm just not sure. I'm not sure that, that I belong to Christ, and I want you to pray for me. And you slip your hand up right now. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. I see a couple hands. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? Remember me, Pastor. Remember me. Without anybody looking, without anybody looking at all. I wonder if there may be one here today would say, Preacher, boy, oh boy. God knew to tell you what to preach. I've been so discouraged, and the enemy has come and tried to try to get me to quit. And I need your prayers today that I'd be faithful. And right now you'd slip your hand up. Slip your hand up. Amen. 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 Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Is there, is there anybody else right now? You'd raise your hand right now. Would you stand with us all over the house this morning? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Quite a few have used the altar already, but maybe there's others that ought to come. I'm going to ask our personal workers. They're making their way to the front right now. If you're here this morning and you raised your hand and you said, Brother Pope, I'm not sure I'm saved. I want you without a moment's hesitation, I want you to come. I don't want you to wait a half a second. I want you to come. And we have somebody here that wants to just take the Word of God and show you how you can know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. So I don't want you to wait. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I am so discouraged and the enemy has come tried to talk me into quitting. I want you to do the same. I want you in just a moment. I want you to make your way to the front. And if you're a lady, we'll get one of our ladies to pray with you. But we want to pray and touch heaven with you today. It could be you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I am saved, but I need to rededicate my life to Christ. I'm going to ask you to come. Maybe you've been saved, but you've never been baptized. And today you need to make yourself a candidate for baptism. I want you to make your way to the front. Or maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, we're not the member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching local church, and we feel it the will of God to join with the Calvary Baptist Church of Union Grove, then I want you to come, all right? I want you to come. I know these aisles, they seem about a mile long, but I promise you, if you'll take the first step, God will help you with the second one. So, Lord, I'm asking right now that you give people boldness. Father, I'm asking you right now to give folks courage. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that they're getting ready to step out and come. God, we want to we touch heaven with them. We want to pray and, and try to be an encouragement. We want to see them keep on keeping on. We want to see them keep drilling. Stay in the fight. 
Stay in the will of God. Have your way, Lord, in this invitation. Speak to hearts, I pray, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Would you come? That's right. That's right. Come on. Come on. Can I have some ladies? Can I have some ladies that would come down here and be ready to pray? Amen. Yes. Come on, church. Time's too short not to get serious about serving Jesus. Would you come? That's right. 